Again, welcome to the new year 2021. If you're here, you survived, you made it. You made it through 2020, the year of perfect vision. I don't know about you, but I want to take those glasses off, right? <laughs> um, has anyone here uh, ever done New Year's resolutions? Yeah? All right. Several of us, okay. Um, whether you're accustomed to doing that or not, this, uh, there's value in doing a little bit of evaluation, uh, making some uh, personal goals, doing some soul searching, uh, looking for ways in which to do things better than we've done them in the past. And it's my hope that we, alongside believers worldwide, would each be able to say, I want to walk more closely with Jesus than year, this year than I ever have before. Uh, it's, it's my hope that it's your desire to, to this year hear from the Lord more clearly, to learn more from his word and how to daily apply it, to have more opportunities to encourage others in his truth, to be more bold in offering to pray for someone and then doing it right there on the spot, um, to share your testimony with others, to invite others to church, to become stronger and more passionate about walking with and serving our King Jesus who gave his life for us. We all hear the stories though about New Year's resolutions and uh, that they often crumble away in the months of January, February, March. Uh, the gym membership that was only used a handful of times. Uh, the treadmill that's now collecting dust. The, the bad habits that still remain. As you resolve to walk with the Lord more closely this year, I don't want to see that resolution fail like so many of the other New Year's resolutions. Today as we continue in, in John chapter 18, uh, we're going to look at some, of, uh, some, some bad and then good principles for staying strong in the Lord. And as a result, I hope that you'll be encouraged uh, picking up the, the good principles and strategies and avoiding the bad ones so that you will be better equipped to succeed spiritually in 2021. But before we dive into John chapter 18, let me remind you of the bold resolution that Peter made uh, just a little earlier in the narrative. In chapter 13, Peter tells Jesus, he says, I will lay down my life for you. That's a pretty strong statement. That's a really big New Year's resolution. And shortly thereafter, Peter followed through somewhat, at least on the intent of that commitment. Verse 10 of chapter 18, we see that he drew the sword and, and he cuts off Malchus's ear in defense of Jesus. Now, though he expressed it in the wrong manner, at least at this point, in a way, he was attempting to follow through with his earlier commitment of laying down his life for the Lord. He showed up at the gym. <laughs> he, he bought the treadmill and gave it a whirl. But that enthusiasm, that determination, that zeal, like so many others with New Year's resolutions, uh, quickly wore off. Let's take a look now at John chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 12. So the Roman cohort and the commander and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and led him to Annas first, for he was father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. Simon Peter was following Jesus and so was another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. 
So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Now, let me try to give you a better idea of what I think is going on here in this narrative. Um, from the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, the, Jesus is taken with the Roman guard and he's not taken to the current high priest, but the father-in-law of the high priest and Annas, who actually is still called the high priest, even though he was the former high priest, and technically his son-in-law Caiaphas is the new current high priest. Now, if that was not confusing enough, let's just simplify it and just say Annas and Caiaphas are both very well-educated, very powerful, and very in cahoots with the Romans. They would have most likely lived in this really large, elaborate, multi-family joint family compound with several rooms and verandas and uh, a large courtyard in the middle and all of it surrounded by this large wall that was the only entrance was through a, a door in that wall. Now as the entourage of soldiers and uh, religious leaders led Jesus through this door into the wall into the family compound it appears that only two of Jesus' disciples are following him. Uh, Peter, and then who John here describes as the other disciple, and most assume John here to be describing himself. Well, we don't know for certain, but it would make sense that John is speaking of himself since he writes in such, um, having firsthand knowledge of these behind-the-scenes events. And also since in other parts of the book of John, John describes himself in the third person, um, elsewhere saying the other disciple and also as the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So let's assume that it is John that is speaking of here. And, and John and Peter follow Jesus. And since John is known uh, to the family of this high priest family, Perhaps he is spotted by them and immediately welcomed in and to, to witness all these events that are unfolding this, this one night. And, and Peter, on the other hand, having just caught, cut off the ear of Malchus, who was the servant of the high priest, he's lagging probably a little bit behind. And there was perhaps, he was perhaps, uh, if he wasn't lagging just a little bit behind, he stopped at the door by the doorkeeper who knew what had just happened. So John, using his connection to the family, he goes and has a word with the doorkeeper and somehow persuades her to let Peter in. And Peter, hesitantly, I'm sure, enters in the door through this wall and is immediately questioned by the doorkeeper. Verse 17. Then the slave girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. And notice the wording that she uses. She says, you are not also. And saying the word also, it's implied that she knew the other disciple, John, to be a disciple of Jesus. So John's identity as being a follower of Jesus wasn't masked. It was obviously known there at that place, in that moment, that John was associated with the now criminalized Jesus. Yet Peter, there in front of John, blatantly denies and attempts to hide the fact that he too is a follower of Jesus. Oh, we're going to come back to this detail in just a little bit, but I wanted to make sure that you noticed it. Verse 18. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold and they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. 
It appears that the guards bring Jesus deeper into this family compound, with John still present, while Peter remains in the courtyard with others around the bonfire. It could have been that the room they took Jesus to was open to that courtyard so that Peter could still perhaps see and and maybe even hear the interrogation that went just a little like this. Verse 19 and following. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together and I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus, saying, is that the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? So Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now, in this passage, I want you to take notice of what Jesus says in verse 21 in response to the interrogation. He says, question those who have heard what I spoke to them. Now, this is a really interesting thing for Jesus to say because most of those who would be able and best equipped to answer questions about Jesus were all scattered and hiding right now, with the exception of two people. Uh, John, who doesn't seem to speak up on Jesus' behalf through any of this passage, though he's right there with them, and then Peter, who is actually in the present moment receiving questions but lying about the answers. Verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you are not also, notice that word also again, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest being a relative of the one whose ear Peter cut off said, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Now, it would be really easy to beat up on Peter in this passage. We have to realize that John's not off the hook either, though. He doesn't seem to be speaking up, nor does it appear that there's any pressure on him that might cause him to fall in the similar trap as Peter did. But to both of their credit, at least they are both there with Jesus. All the other disciples have fled at this point and they're, they're hiding, full of fear. And then I think that we need to see ourselves in this passage. I'm sure we each have had moments in which we didn't speak up or moments in which we deny Jesus, denied his power in our lives. We deny his authority over us. We deny him by our words, by our actions, our thoughts. You know, if we really get honest here, any time that we sin, we are attempting some form of self-preservation or glorification, and we are denying Jesus. So the question for us today is, how do we avoid doing that? What can we learn from this passage that might help us to keep our resolution to walk more closely with the Lord this year? I want to attempt to identify the specific circumstances that perhaps led up to Peter denying Jesus. And if we can recognize these circumstances and see them in our own lives, perhaps we'll be better equipped to avoid denying him and make 2021 the best year of our spiritual lives yet. The first 
contributing factor of Peter's denial that jumped out to me was Peter's proximity to Jesus. For three years, Peter and the other disciples had camped out with Jesus. They had shared every meal with him. They had traveled with him. They had lived in super close proximity with him. This was perhaps the first time in that three-year period that Peter was not within Jesus' immediate proximity. It would have been much more difficult for, Jesus, for Peter to deny Jesus had he been, been determined to remain at his side throughout the whole night, no matter what the cost. It wasn't that Peter abandoned Jesus altogether and ran away from him, as did Jonah to God in the Old Testament, Peter conscientiously made the decision to follow kind of following Jesus, uh, sort of following him, not, but not too closely. And I have a feeling that that's many times what we as believers do as well. You know, we want to follow him close enough to consider ourselves Christians and we want to follow him close enough to receive forgiveness and eternal life and maybe even a pat on the back for doing the right thing. But in circumstances of potential negative consequences, we slightly distance ourselves from him. And we end up denying him, just as Peter did. Now, sometimes we do this publicly, but then often we distance and deny him, and only he and ourselves are, are aware of what's going on. If we want to walk closely with the Lord this year, we'll have to do just that. Walk closely with him, drawing near to him as we feed ourselves from his word, keeping in step with him as we wrestle how to live out what he tells us in his word, being attentive to his voice as we seek to each day pray without ceasing, having a prayerful attitude throughout the day. Here's our first principle to remember. Our position with Jesus will affect us in denying or defending him. Our position, our proximity to him will directly affect us, giving us the ability to either deny him or to defend him. I mentioned in verse 17, the doorkeeper's use of the word also, implying that it was known that John was associated with Jesus. And yet Peter, in that moment, he chose to distance himself, not just from Jesus, but from the other followers of Jesus as well. There in front of John, Peter basically says, no, I'm not like this guy. After, after everything that John and Peter experienced together with the other disciples as they followed Jesus, there in that moment, Peter chose to break fellowship with John and the others isolating himself from the strength and the unity and accountability available through the bond of believers. If your desire is to walk closely with the Lord this year, you'll need the love, the support, the sharpening, the accountability of other believers. Followers of Jesus are not designed to, to function healthily in, as isolated islands. The body of Christ must remain strong. It's shut down or no shut down, virus or no virus. Believers must in some way, shape, or form be meeting together. You guys online, did you hear me on that? 
some way we have got to somehow maintain the strength and the unity, the proximity of believers. This is our second principle. Our position with other believers will affect us in denying or defending Jesus. Now, after having been distanced himself from Jesus and other followers of Jesus, Peter doesn't just go and sit in a corner by himself. There isn't true isolation taking place. No, what is he doing? He's hanging out with, trying to blend in with the religious leaders, servants, and Roman military officers gathered around the fire. The very people who are against Jesus are the very people he is attempting to blend in with. That's interesting. But don't we as believers often do the same thing? The very people that are against Jesus, who don't follow his ways, are often the ones, for some reason, whose favor we attempt to gain. For you and I to walk closely with the Lord and avoid the temptation to deny him, we will have to lose the desire to fit in with society at large. Followers of Jesus are not designed to blend in with those who don't follow Jesus. If we attempt to fit in with those who don't follow Jesus, we'll become all the more susceptible to denying him. Now, I'm not saying to avoid friendships with non-believers. I'm not saying that we don't hang out with unbelievers. I'm not saying to hide in a Christian bubble and only attend to Christian events to protect yourself from the world. What I am saying is that we find common ground with non-Christians. We make friends with unbelievers. We go out boldly into the world, but we do so knowing that we are different. Knowing that people might look at us funny, knowing that we answer to a higher power. And our hope is that God in his mercy will use us to help others look more like him rather than us look more like them. Here's our third principle. Our position with non-believers will affect us denying him or defending him. Listen, I want to apologize to our online viewers. That wasn't a rebuke by any means. I, I just want to make sure you guys are here, hearing me and then know that you guys are too with us as you are listening online right now or in the days to come. Um, I just want to say that you guys are in here with us together and we're so thankful for your participation in the body of Christ. Um, I mentioned the irony in verse 21 of Jesus saying to, to question those who have heard. And yet Peter is currently being questioned and flailing with his answers. His fear distorted the truth of his answers. It's obvious that Jesus wants his followers to be questioned so that they might have opportunity to share truth with those who are asking those questions. So do not fear the questions. See questions as Jesus-ordained kingdom moments in which the world might be able to hear his truth. Personally wrestle with the answers to these questions that the world might end up asking you concerning Jesus. Why do you believe? Why is the Bible considered to be true? Why must there be an ultimate standard? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do you believe in heaven and hell? And the question that was asked to Peter, 
Are you one of Jesus' followers? Wrestle through these questions. Prepare yourself to give answer to those who might ask. Here's our fourth principle. Our position on the world's questions will affect us in denying or defending Jesus. According to our answer, we will be affected one way or the other. You know, looking through this passage, I couldn't help but wonder if Peter's distancing from Jesus, his distancing from the other followers, his attempt to blend in with the world and his fear of the questions might have all been a snowball effect of something that had happened previous that led up to these events happening, triggering all that we've just read this morning. I mentioned earlier that right before this passage, Peter zealously attempted to defend Jesus with the sword and cutting off the ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. I commended his enthusiasm, his determination, his zeal, but it was obviously expressed in the wrong way. And Jesus corrected him there on the spot. Now, we don't know for certain. Maybe I'm making an argument from silence. But it seems to me that perhaps Peter might not have dealt properly with his sin of anger, his reactiveness, his hate, his violence. If we look through this passage, verses 12 through 27, through the lens of that verse 10, perhaps we can attribute much of Peter's behavior to having been a result of the guilt, the shame, the disappointment, the embarrassment his actions in verse 10 caused. It could be that Peter realized that he had really messed up there in the garden. And as a result, he began to feel disconnected from Jesus, disconnected from the other followers. He began to feel like he no longer fit in with them. He began to feel fearful of the questioning. The one thing that might ensnare us in our efforts to walk more closely with Jesus and his followers or that will mask our uniqueness amongst unbelievers or that might hinder our ability to answer the world's questions is if our sins, our mistakes, our failures are not properly dealt with. If we continue to make a habit of sin, if we continue to fixate on sin, if we don't make it right and receive forgiveness, if we keep it a secret, if we hold on to the guilt and the shame, if we don't admit it's there, if we think we've committed an unforgivable sin, if we do not allow the sin, the shame, and the guilt to be buried with Christ and ourselves risen to walk with him in newness of life, then we will fail to walk closely with him this year. Here's our final principle. Our position on sin will affect us denying or defending him. May this be the year that God's people rise up to their full potential of walking with Jesus, to their full potential of accomplishing great things together as one united body, to their full potential of making a difference in this dark world, to their full potential of boldly giving truthful answers to the world. May God's people rise up to a whole new level of understanding of his forgiveness and walk in his power, unbound by the chains of the past, 
mistakes, regrets, guilt, and shame. You know, after Jesus' resurrection, when he later appeared to his followers, he restored their confidence. He equipped them with his Holy Spirit. He had redemptive healing moments with Peter. And after he departed from them into the heavens, they lived the rest of their lives with a, a boldness, a power, and an authority unlike anything they had ever experienced previously. I want to share with you from Peter's own mouth what he learned afterwards as a result of his gut-riching denial experience. He made some poor choices, but after learning from those choices, he has some advice, some wisdom from experience to offer other followers of Jesus. He says in 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation. And do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. Peter, during Jesus' trial, he attempted self-preservation. He attempted to avoid suffering. But the inner turmoil suffering that resulted was far worse than any suffering that he might have experienced from the religious leaders and the soldiers that one dark, cold night. And after that experience, he later writes, no, it is better to suffer what is doing right, for doing what is right than for doing what is wrong. That dark, cold night, he had been zealous with a sword and in the wrong way, but now he writes that there won't come any harm to you if you were zealous in the right way. That dark, cold night, he distanced himself from Jesus and his followers. But now he says, sanctify, set apart as holy, Jesus as Lord. Where? The closest distance you could possibly set him in your heart. That dark, cold night, he was fearful and not ready for questioning. But now he says, always be ready to answer with gentleness, reverence, with respect. Peter got a second chance. A second chance at his resolution to lay down his life for Jesus. He recovered. He turned a corner. He, through his sin and failures and mistakes, he learned huge lessons and made significant changes in his life that transformed a potential downward life spiral into rather building up Jesus' kingdom and eternally transforming for the good his life and those of lives around him. After a life of great impact, he died honorably, laying down his life for Jesus, being crucified on a cross at the hands of the Romans. 
May we learn from Peter's failures. May we learn from the wisdom he gained. And may we be able to move forward into this new year, avoiding the traps that got Peter and walk in closeness, uniqueness, boldness, and freedom from sin with Jesus and his people like never before. Listen, I want to do something a little different in closing this morning. Um, Often I feel like when God really speaks through his word here in this moment, it's really easy for us to say a prayer and say amen and then just leave this place and kind of forget about how God was stirring in our hearts. And sometimes I I feel like we need some kind of physical response to uh, a spiritual change that's happened in our hearts or a, a mindset change. And what I'd like to ask you to do, um, if you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. There's not any shame or judgment. But I'm going to ask you if, if this year you want to say, yes, I want to walk more closely with the Lord Jesus this year than I ever have in my entire life. That is my goal this year. If you can say that, would you join me in just standing? I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. Just, just stand and say, man, this is the year that I want to really just nail it. I want to walk so close with him. I want to be bold. I want to be empowered. I want to understand more. I want to hear from him more. I want to experience his power more. And look around, look around. You see everyone standing? This is something we're going to do together, guys. You're not alone in this. Together. As one body, we're going to seek him. We're going to follow him wholeheartedly, whether it hurts or whether it just brings enormous amounts of blessings. We're going to do it together. I want to pray for you guys right now. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the rich experience of your word, the wisdom, the the true stories that give us so much insight, though that they happened thousands of years ago. They're so relevant for today. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for working in our hearts and our minds. And Lord, you see these people that are standing who are saying before you, Lord, I want to walk more closely with you than I ever have. I want to make 2021 the the greatest year of my spiritual journey yet. Lord, I pray that you would hear and honor that desire, that you would help us, that you'd equip us, that you would speak more strongly than you ever had in the past, that, that you would tune in our ears to your voice. Allow us to be really sensitive and to, to hear how you are working and moving in what you are saying. Transform our mindsets, our, our perspectives. If, As David said, if there's any wicked way in me, search it out, Lord. Get rid of it. And I ask that you'd fill these people up with your Holy Spirit in a way like you never have before. As the prophet said, in the end times, your spirit will be poured out on the people. They will speak of things to come and they will proclaim truth. And Lord, may you do that here. Pour out your spirit on your people. And may the community around us notice. May they 
not be able to avoid seeing what you're doing with your church here in this community and globally around the world. Unite your church, your true followers. And may this be an awesome year of your working as we wait for your kingdom to come. We pray these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, you can be seated. We'll go in just one moment, but uh, Pastor Dave, if you'd come up and join, join me. You know, this has been a really exciting journey together. It's been about a year. It's been about a year of Next Church and Glady Branch working together and um, taking little steps towards what God might have, a, have for us. And we sense that it is time for us to take yet another bigger step towards that. And so Pastor Dave is going to tell us exactly what that might look like here. What we would like to do is we uh, are moving forward and, and uh, continuing to talk about, uh, you know, finalizing some, some things that will bring us together as a single church, as a single body in the great church, the body of Christ. Um, we would like to hear from you at this juncture. And so two weeks from today, on the 17th, we are going to actually uh, put out a survey for everybody. It's going to be a very simple um, yes, no answer survey. And we will do this both uh, for those that are watching online and, and can't be here or don't, uh, don't feel comfortable being here live on a Sunday morning. That's fine. And we, we will actually put it out as a Google form uh, for everybody as well. So you can either fill out that survey on the 17th here at the church, or you can fill it out online. And we'll get that information out within the next uh, 10 days. You'll probably see that information two or three times uh, come to your email box. And we just want to know how everybody else is feeling. As, as we walk through this, it's been exciting. It's, I mean, we're just filled with anticipation. And uh, Pastor Wes, is, uh, uh, just, he's a fun guy to work with. And uh, I'm, a, I'm enjoying this, so I'm anticipating this uh, greatly. And not only is, am I enjoying my time working with Pastor Wes, but just with, with everybody together as a body of Christ. And so we just want to know how you're feeling as we... Uh, plan on, on taking this next big step. And uh, we're hoping that it's going to come very quickly. But again, we want you to, to really pray about this, dig down deep, let the Lord lead you in your answer to this survey, and uh, then we will, we will move forward from there, one way or the other. All right. You all good with that? Yeah. All right. If you have any questions at all along the way, please feel free to contact either one of us or, or any member of, of the leadership teams. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Hey, thank you so much for being here, for joining with us. Thank you to those listening online. We love you guys. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing here. Um, have a blessed week. Have an awesome 2021, and we'll see you here again soon.